Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Did you know that approximately 4,000 South Africans are currently waiting for life-saving organ transplants? Yet, 16 viable organs are being buried every week. Why this disconnect? John T. Wright is a third-year medical student and has founded Save7, a non-profit organization set up for the purpose of raising awareness about organ donations. What is the halakha around organ donation? I'm delighted to have John T. as well as Rabbi Liebenberg, spiritual leader of the Claremont Weinberg Congregation, to talk me through this. Rabbi and John T., welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having us. John T., how did this come about, Save 7? Oh, Chase, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I often pinch myself when I, when I see what, what we're doing at the moment. I'm like, oh, so how did we get here? Um, but always go back to telling the story of Lynette. So when I was in first year at medical school, um, I had the privilege of meeting a woman named Lynette, who's a dialysis patient here at Tigerberg Hospital. And she was born with a condition called autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. Um, now, in English, that means that her kidneys had failed by the time that she was 30. And because of the genetic nature of the disease, her sister had it too. And she died two years ago waiting for a transplant that never came. And now Lynette is in the exact same position, quite literally waiting to die. And I was really, really caught by that and started doing a little bit more research into it and was shocked to find out that, as you mentioned earlier, there are 4,000 South Africans who share a similar story to Lynette and her sister. And that more than 60 viable organs that could be being given to these patients are being buried every week. And that's because... Not enough p- people have had the conversation with their families to say, if the opportunity ever comes up for me to donate my organs after I die, please say yes. And of course you can sign up, um, to be on the organ donor registry in order to make that, um, a little bit more valid now. But the ultimate, um, ultimately it's going to come down to have they had their conversation and are your next of kin going to say yes? And yeah, that, that's how we started the campaign, um, simple awareness program in, our university and now it's gone on a more on a more national scale and we started building um, little systems that help the help the transplant process as well but yeah that's that's i'd say that's how we got you so before we look at what you've done and how much you've achieved firstly is a conversation enough is one conversation in passing hey please donate my organs enough sure <laughs> it's a very good question and one that i would one that we've been thinking about quite a lot recently, because obviously we want to say, okay, we want to make this as easy as possible. Um, but we also want to give people the opportunity to have it logged as a, as a more like permanent measure. Um, that's why on our website, save7.org, when you sign up to be an organ donor and put your name or your ID number on that database, and we actually give people an opportunity to record a voice message and put it into a, a, a virtual time capsule, if you will, to say, um, mom, dad, whomever this may concern, um, I would like to donate my organs after I die. If you're listening to this, it means that the worst has happened, but but please go ahead with it. And in that way, it made it really, really easy, but also incredibly emotional and, and, and binding. Um, and then that is then going to be plugged into the, the systems that we've helped build out now so that if a transplant coordinator receives a referral and it's got your ID number on it, that voice message will be there and ready for your family. Um, and yeah, hopefully in doing so, it will be created a nice moment and make it the easiest decision of their lives. Janti, also, what kinds of organs are we looking at? Um, are all organs equal? Yeah, that's actually a fantastic question. We completely skimmed over that. So we're, the reason that Save 7 is called Save 7 
is because you've got seven potentially life-saving organs. So those are your heart, um, your two lungs, two kidneys, and you, your pancreas and liver can come together as well. And actually, beyond that, you can also donate your tissue. So your your bone marrow, your, your skin, um, even your corneas, and give somebody their sight back. Um, and in doing so, you don't just save seven lives, you can help another 52 or so. Um, we chose save seven because help 52 didn't really have the same ring to it. But, yeah, as to your question, are all organs created equal? Um, no, not necessarily, but the general population has obviously got a lot healthier organs than the people who are sitting on um, organ failure. And they'll take, I don't want to say they'll take anything, but if you can imagine having a, a failed liver or a failed heart, um, you would want to take whatever is given your way if it's going to buy you two years of life, but up to 15 years of life. Absolutely fascinating. So, Rama, let's bring you in. What is the halakha around organ donation? Thank you very much. It's a long and complicated uh, question, so I'll try to be as brief as possible, but maybe just to start off by mentioning um, the recent tragic death of Lucy D. and her two daughters in Israel in a terrorist attack. And what a lot of people don't know is that um, her organs were taken and she saved many people. <clears throat> so although it was absolutely terrible for the family, but she was able to to give life to people. So, of course, in Judaism, Pikuach Nefesh, saving a life, is is a very, very great value and a value that trumps many, many other commandments. Um, the Talmud says that uh, you can't stand by idly on the blood of your brother. You see somebody in a precarious situation, you have to help them. It says that you have to return to a person a lost item. Well, if that's true of, uh, you know, a, a piece of property, well, then certainly to give them back their life. Now, very briefly, there there are three categories of organ donation. Let's call it that. The first category is to give items from your body that regenerate, and that is blood and uh, platelets and uh, <clears throat> bone marrow. And there's absolutely no issue then. There's no concern. And it would be a great mitzvah and a wonderful act of chesed, of kindness to, to do such a thing. There, there's, there's absolutely no concern. I just have to mention over here that there is no obligation to give one's um, organs. One is not obligated to do so according to Jewish law, but one may do so under certain conditions. So the first category is, is straightforward. The second category is to be a live donor. And actually... They've shown that in America, in the United States, <clears throat> that um, people uh, of the people who donate kidneys while they're alive, the highest proportion is actually Orthodox Jews at the moment, which is incredible. So you can give um, one of your, um, your your kidneys to a person who's in kidney failure. Obviously, you have to be very healthy, um, and you have to make sure that uh, you don't put yourself into trouble. But if a person is perfectly healthy and they're a good match, then they can donate a kidney in their lifetime. So that's that, that would be the second category. The third category is posthumous, to give away your organs after you've passed away. Now, there there are a number of concerns, and I think this is why Jewish people in general haven't really cottoned on to giving organ organs, and, and that is the following three reasons. First of all, we have a prohibition to desecrate a body. Secondly, we have a prohibition to get any type of benefit from a body. And thirdly, you have to bury a body. So we have all of those those prohibitions, but on the other hand, you also have the great mitzvah of of saving a human life. So as a general rule, <clears throat> one actually can give almost all of the organs that John T. has mentioned, corneas, uh, tissue, bones, kidneys, etc. These These can be given, 
and it is not a problem whatsoever. There is, however, a problem with giving a heart. And let me explain to you why this is. Because uh, according to Jewish law, you can only take an organ from a person when they are dead. Obviously, you cannot take it. What I mean by that is other than giving the kidney, if somebody is gravely ill and you know they're going to die and you take um, an organ from them, you are bringing about their death. They're going to, to die soon. And, of course, that's very serious. Now, when it comes to a heart, and, you know, John T. Is, is a medical person, so he would know better. But when it comes to a heart, a heart, by and large, cannot be taken from a dead body. It has to be ta- it has to still being oxygenated. And, therefore, a heart is taken once the brain is dead but there's still respiratory function. So, for example, the patient is, is being kept alive on a ventilator. And there's a question in, in Jewish law and halakha, is brain death, brain stem death considered to be death, or do we have to wait until the person has has uh, completed, uh, is not breathing anymore? This is a complicated area. And most of the halakhic authorities say that you cannot take the heart while the person is still breathing, even if their brain is dead. But there is an opinion, and it is a minority opinion, that you can take the heart even uh, if the person is brain dead. And, in fact, this is the ruling of the rabbinate, the chief rabbinate in Israel. And I think that's what happened with Lucy D, that she was brain dead, but she was on a respirator, and they took a heart. So in, in this matter, which is a complicated matter of Jewish law and which touches on issues of you know, bringing about a person's death, it's very important that one has this discussion with a rabbi who uh, who is well-versed in these laws. So if a person wants to become an organ donor, they should do so. But if this bothers them, this part about the heart, then they need to stipulate that. I'm not sure whether that's something that's provided for in John T's website, but that is an important point because a person might say, look, you can take anything once I am 100% dead. That means brain death, respiratory death. And then you, you can take in a respectful way in which you, you treat the body in a respectful way when harvesting the organs, and then the body, of course, is um, is buried. You can't give your whole body to science for experimentation, but you can give these these organs. There are even some who say that it's not like you actually um, damage the organ because by giving it to the other person, it is like resuscitated in, in the other person. It becomes that person's heart or, or you know, that person's kidney. So those are the general rules, and um, there is actually an organization called Halachic Organ Donation, H-O-D for short. Uh, they have a website, and they explain a lot of that there. So I would refer people to that uh, particular website. Um, John T., uh, do you have any comments following what the rabbi said? Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, and, yeah, thank you, Rabbi Ari, for sharing for sharing all of that. Um, as to your question as to how, how we can cater to that, like, I would genuinely, I would encourage, um, all, all of the listeners to, to, you know, to chat to your rabbi about it if it is something that you're unsure about. Um, and again, we, we mentioned that time capsule feature and this, the importance of having the conversation with your family because ultimately the decision is going to be on them, which organs get taken, um, whether or not you can donate your organs. So in that conversation specifying, and again, this will be based on a conversation that you've had with, with your rabbi. Um, okay, I don't actually want them to take my heart or everything else they can take. Um, or maybe they do want to take the heart, whichever way it goes. You, you should specify that in that conversation. And then also we've got um, more than enough time in the, in the time capsule um, allocated to each person to allow them to put their specifications forward and say, okay, um, I would I would love it if you donated. And it doesn't, it doesn't even have to just be the heart. If for some reason you feel like you don't want to donate your kidneys because of another reason, you can also specify that there. Um, 
Yeah, and in doing so, make that as easy as possible. Because it's a topic I don't know very much about, forgive my ignorance here, Janti, but when you are an organ donor, does that normally imply all your organs? Or would it be, okay, well, you can have my lungs and whatever, but not my this no, so, I mean, that's a very good question. Um, in general, when transplant coordinators approach the next of kin for consent, they're going to talk to them about all of the organs that are viable in that particular patient. So, say, for example, in some unknown circumstance, I end up on a ventilator, um, and my liver and my kidneys are a-okay, and they can be given to somebody else's mother who's, who's dying or somebody else's brother who's dying. Um, and, but my heart isn't so good for whatever reason. The transplant coordinators will perform an assessment of those and say, okay, cool, these are the organs that are available to donate, and they'll approach the next of kin and say, they've got the opportunity to save these people using these organs. Are you okay with that? And that's when this whole thing about the time capsule comes in, and that's when this whole thing about them having had a conversation ending up on that ventilator, and that, that's why that part is so important. Rabbi, in, in your experience within the communities that you operate in, is this a, a topic that is discussed? Because I know, you know, you, you mentioned why, when you're alive and you make the decision to donate a kidney, and I, I, I think people, obviously, if there's a family member, I know people have donated to their brothers, sisters, whatever. Is this something that is discussed a lot within the community? In my experience, not much. Um, not much. <clears throat> you know, I've spoken about it occasionally. I've had people come to me and ask me under what conditions they can do it. Um, but very, very seldom. Very, very seldom. And I think for the reasons that I explained, because we're, we're so particular about having honor and respect for, for bodies that people just, they don't even think about it. And, you know, maybe there's not enough awareness. So it isn't something that's spoken about and, and, you know, there has to be more awareness and you need to really speak to somebody who knows what they're speaking about. Um, you know, John, T was speaking about <clears throat> giving consent, et cetera. So one point is very important is that the patient, the, the donor needs to give the consent. They can't take organs from a person if they never consented in their lifetime. As a general rule, uh, there may be some exceptions. What, what some people have is they have a healthcare proxy, meaning that they uh, appoint somebody in their lifetime who will make decisions about their health and their care when they can no longer do so. I mean, this comes to other issues of end of life, uh, ethics, etc. But one can go to many websites, the Rabbinical Council of America, Agudat Israel, and you can find their, their, their actual documents, their forms of a healthcare proxy, where you would nominate, you would say, uh, all questions relating to my health, speak to my brother and rabbi so-and-so. And then the doctors will consult with that person and they will make, um, <clears throat> and I've actually helped some people fill in those forms because, you know, people are worried what's going to happen to them when they get older, et cetera. And that is the time to have this, this conversation. So no, I don't think it's really a big topic. I think people are, you know, struggling enough to get through life that they don't think much about death. But, you know, the, the bottom line is when a person receives an organ and they see how wonderful that was and that their life was saved, I think that's when the penny drops that maybe they could do the same for another person. Um, so as I mentioned, kidney donation amongst Orthodox Jews in North America has become almost trendy in a way. And um, people are doing it and they feel very compelled to do it because they see, you know, they, they can actually see in their own lifetime the joy and the happiness and the life that they're bringing. But, but people obviously don't see that once they've passed away. So it is something that we need to have more of a conversation about and perhaps rabbis should address in their communities. 
So, I mean, you raise a good point. People aren't talking about we're just so worried about staying alive. And I think we don't think about death when we are living. We don't think about what's going to happen. And I don't. So, John, this is really where Save 7 comes in. Do you want to tell me in our last remaining minutes what the awareness has been and what the response has been and how people can get self-educated? Sure. So, um, again, yeah, Save 7 was started initially just to, to raise this awareness and to get people to, to start to think about it. And one of the biggest barriers that we found was people had a lot of questions and what, there wasn't easy access to answers. So what we initially did um, is built out an artificial intelligence chatbot, which is essentially similar to ChatGPT, but is trained on all of the um, existing medical literature and organ donation in South Africa so that it's an expert and can speak into um, questions and provide people with, with very clear answers. The second thing that we did was started a, a social media campaign. Um, 20, um, social media is the only way of spreading a message in my mind. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not, but it's, it, was, it was definitely our first port of call. Um, and started creating an incentivized campaign. So saying, okay, cool. If you spread information about organ donation on social media, we'll incentivize you for that. You can get a, a free coffee for Vita or, um, a take a lot voucher. And in doing so help like exponentially, um, propagate this life-saving information. And initially our target has been um, other students, uh, medical students at yeah, other universities, um, now non-medical students at universities. Um, but gradually as it gained traction, it's grown a lot more, which I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to see. Um, but again, like, like Rabbi was saying, there's always, there are always more conversations to have. There's always more awareness that could be raised. Um, I'm very, very happy with our progress so far, but yeah, we, we definitely don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And I commend you as the youth for taking this further because, you know, if we're struggling with these conversations, I imagine for youth it's even more difficult to contemplate. Um, and the, the website for the Halachic Organ Donation is www.hods.org. Thank you, Rabbi. So I thank you actually to both of you. That was a fascinating discussion. I've learned a lot. Um, that was Rabbi Levenberg, a spiritual leader of the Claremont Weinberg Congregation, and John T. Wright, a third year, 20 year old student, uh, medical student at Stellenbosch University and the founder of Save Seven.